0: Another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Kritik, and today we're joined by Dr. Addie McClintock. Dr. McClintock is an assistant professor in the Division of General Internal Medicine, and she's an expert in feedback. And I invited her here to have a conversation with us about how to have a feedback conversation. And the reality is, after we talked, I realized that we had so much to say that this is really worthy of two podcasts. So we're going to break this into two podcasts. This is part one of two. And and today's conversation is really going to focus on how we create an environment where feedback is something that we can engage in. And I think, Addie, what I really want to start off talking about is this concept of psychological safety and how do we create psychological safety. So thank you for joining me for two podcasts. Thank you. And, And let's jump into this idea of like, Maybe I'll start off with this question. Like, what do we mean or what do you mean by psychological safety? Yeah.
1: Psychological safety has a very specific definition that was um, designed by Amy Edmondson, who's a behavioral um, and organizational psychologist. And it's the idea that, uh, and it's the belief of team members that any team member can speak up or make a mistake without the fear of interpersonal consequences.
0: So that concept of like, it's a safe space to make errors and you're not going to get in trouble if you make errors seems really important. And it sounds really good. How do we create that? What do we do specifically to create psychological safety in, in spaces where we're with our learners?
1: Yeah, there's three defined leadership tasks that create psychological safety. So those three tasks are defined as setting the stage, inviting participation and responding productively.
0: Okay, I love having three things to focus on. So let's walk through those three things together. So first of all, setting the stage, what does that mean?
1: It basically has to do with setting expectations and creating shared meaning behind the work. So it's kind of framing the work, what are we doing? thinking about what the what our why is all together and seeing that we all have that together and sort of the purpose and it's really again it's it's shared expectations and meaning for everybody
0: on the team. Okay, so how might you do that? But I know one of the places where you work most often is in the clinical setting with medical students or residents. So how do you how do you set the stage?
1: Yeah, for me, I usually, uh, I mean, if it's the first time I'm with someone on a team, for example, I will really take a minute to actually provide them with very clear expectations for what they should be doing in our time together. So if it's a medical student, for example, I'll tell them about how the clinic is run, what I think they should be able to do, how I want them to, you know, sort of manage an encounter, manage things that happen after the encounter, um, and sort of talk to them about what I think this place is best suited to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, if it's the acute care clinic, for me, I might say this is such a good place to work on your focused problem, you know, focused history and physical and help them see like, this is what, I think we should do here (laughs) and this is what we're doing here. This is the skill I have to impart to you. I think it's also helpful to think about sort of what's your, how do you as the observer and the assessor and the later feedback giver define success for this team, for this person and their goals, or how do they define success for their own goals? And, you know, really, I think at this point, what we're learning, what we're defining as our purpose often is excellent patient care and learning. Really emphasizing that this is a place of learning is a great place to start when we think about setting the stage and um, giving expectations.
0: So, a lot about setting expectations of kind of what your expectations are of the learner, but also like what this learning environment might hold for that person and that it is intended to be a learning environment. So, I think, I think what I heard you say there is being explicit about those things at the start of a, a time together and, and kind of framing or setting the stage. Absolutely. The second thing I heard you talk about, I think, was um, invite partici- participation. <laughs> I can't talk today. I would assume that that would be what we would want to do with anybody who's part of a, our kind of workspace or learning space or small group teaching or whatever this. How how specifically do you invite participation?
1: So invite participation, you know, has kind of its own subtasks. Um, the first one is sort of demonstrate humility. Um, then the next one is practicing inquiry. And the last one is setting up structures and processes for input. So more operationally, I think really we can often think of this as kind of model not knowing when you don't know things, providing autonomy to the best of your ability and to the safest for that trainee, listening and avoiding interruption. So you're like inviting them to speak when you avoid interrupting them <laughs> and this idea about practicing inquiry is really thinking about instead of sort of assigning a reason for something, uh, let's say someone says something totally out of the blue on rounds or in the classroom, instead of like, no, you go, oh, tell me how you got there. Because it's not, it's less of a like, what are you thinking? And more of like, a, tell me what you're thinking. Um, even though those are the exact same words that came out of my mouth.
0: Yeah, I, I think, okay, so you said so much there want I kind of spend a little bit of time unpacking that. So, I think these are all behaviors that create a space where people feel like they can make mistakes and that it's part of how we learn. And I think one thing I heard you say about humility is maybe acknowledging that we all make mistakes and we all have moments that we don't know things. Uh, I think that's so important. And I am a big fan of sharing with people the errors that I have made in life and help having them learn from them, partly because I would like them to learn and not have to make the same mistakes, but also to show that like, yeah, I might be the attending or the teacher, but I make mistakes. And I also try to regularly model the things I don't know, which is very easy because there's many things I don't know. (laughs) So it feels like that's part of creating that, that environment where it's like, we're all learning together, right?
1: Yeah. And I'll just add, I think it really, that step in particular goes a long way for a sense of belonging for trainees because you know, they show up and they see um, a more senior person who's had years and years of experience and learning. And they don't always take that mental step of like, they weren't born like that, they became like that. And to show that you got there through your own mistakes and your own learning helps them know that mistakes are a part of the learning process. And just because I feel overwhelmed or I don't know something, it doesn't mean I don't belong here. This is how, this is exactly why I belong here because we're all learning at the
0: same time. I really like that. And I'll tell you, I just, this last time I was on service, I started a practice of starting each day with one thing we learned the day before. And I would lead with like one thing that I learned usually that one of the trainees taught me, but sometimes, cause I just went and looked it up and said, I didn't know that. So I had to go look it up. But trying to do those tangible things that, that model that, I think I've become more intentional about that over time.
1: Yeah. And it's especially important and just really great that you go first because it does really need to come from leadership, uh, that sense of safety. It, it's something that leadership has to intentionally create. There is kind of a contract between the team, but it really needs to start with the leadership in order for it to be okay for everybody else.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing I heard you say is like my words interpretation would be lead with curiosity. So be curious and and ask the questions. I'm also often say like, walk me through your thinking or tell me more. Exactly. Those are perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And I, there are times in my head when I'm like, Whoa, what? Right. Trying to, to have that little bit of pause to turn it into that curiosity. I think, I think I'm hearing you say is part of that way to invite participation and not shut it down. Exactly. Yep. So then the third thing I heard you say was respond productively. So tell me more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So respond productively is, I think at the end, you know, at the end point is really about being respectful of all of your team members and their individual expertise and place in life, meaning like where they are in their own journey of becoming a physician or any sort of whatever it is that you're teaching them. Specific steps that are sort of the sub steps of respond productively are express appreciation, which means, again, listening, acknowledging, not interrupting, um, destigmatizing failure, which by which I mean, you know, looking forward instead of thinking about, you know, assigning blame or what happened, think about just sort of what's our next steps, how can we learn from this and really emphasizing the learning that we're looking for keeping in mind that failure, quote unquote, to a trainee can be what we might perceive as very small, could be a wrong answer in front of other people, could be, could be a legitimate mistake. um, But recognizing that sometimes it's what we might think is really small. And then the last step is called punish clear boundary violations. And I, I know that sounds kind of dramatic. What they're really getting at there is that if you have done all the work to set up this culture of learning and respect and you know shared meaning, and somebody on your team does something that sort of violates that a little bit, maybe they shut someone down, even though you wouldn't have done it that way. It's important to reestablish that safety that you have spent so much time putting in together, by sort of saying to everybody, um, that's not how we, that's not how our team works. We, you know, don't want to belittle people, we want to make sure people view everything as learning and whatever it might be. But just sort of if you've lost that safety, for some reason, that step is really how you can
0: reestablish it. I think, um, so first of all, thank you for reiterating the listen, don't interrupt. And I think <laughs> I like that. I have to remind myself that I have a, like, a lot of stuff going on in my head a lot of times that I sometimes just need to hold in. And I, I think for somebody where there's a power differential, that interruption can feel even more impactful than, than you and I talking and, and maybe me interrupting you. So I appreciate the reminder of that.
1: Yeah, it it is hard. I agree. I come from a family of interrupters. To me, it means I'm excited about what you're saying, but it can really derail another person. (laughs) And oftentimes we might interrupt because we feel like something's a little inefficient or going slowly or, you know, taking a little too long. But actually, if you interrupt, they're going to lose their train of thought and it's going to take longer. So yeah, an additional plug for just try not to interrupt even it take it really, it's a very, I have to force myself (laughs) sometimes
0: as do i as yep. do i and then this destigmatization of failure which we've kind of been talking about that that it's normal it's actually good to fail if we never fail we're not trying and that we learn from those failures i think that that's a really hard one in the culture of healthcare and yeah. graduate education it doesn't feel like a space for failure but we really want to push on that and then the last one where I think it is maybe one that we all have to be reminded of that, that if we set up some norms and then someone goes outside those norms that we actually speak up and say something about it. Maybe that's, we've said, let's not interrupt each other. And then it happens. And then acknowledging that happens or uh, one I often think about on, in my clinical setting is sometimes we fall into these patterns of kind of creating who we are by defining how we're not other people. Like we're the intensivists and the acute care teams. They don't know what they're doing. And, and then I hear that happen and, and us like pausing and saying, hey, wait, they're us. We know that that happens and, and actually calling it out. And and I think you can do it with a, a kind tone, but also remind people that maybe that's crossing some of those boundaries that we said is kind of how we're going to take care of each other.
1: Yeah. And that especially, I think um, we do see that semi often on any kind of team. You know, it might be, oh, this group doesn't know about my thing. Even when you do that, you're actually setting up that, um, culture of, we're making fun of someone who doesn't know something. And it may be small because we do it all the time, but anytime we do that, we tell our team members, even if we're nice to them on our team and we think they're great. And we've set that up, but you're still sending that subtle message of like, ha ha, they don't know something. We're going to make fun of them. And you're not actually creating a space of like, they have their expertise. We have ours let's all work together and learn from each other kind of, you know, there's just a different framing you can have there.
0: Yeah. And I I really appreciate just kind of raising everyone's awareness to kind of attending to this. I think I'll say I'm imperfect about it, but it, the more I think about it, the more I notice those moments where I can say like, wait, hold on. Is that how we said we're going to do this? And, and kind of reinforce those messages to kind of keep the space safe for people to take the risk.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I'll just quickly add is, Let's say you accidentally violate the space. You know you are having a bad morning, and someone asks you a question, and you kind of snap. That can be stressful for trainees, and really, all you need to do is say, "I'm sorry. I am having a stressful morning," and it's very meaningful to people to understand. Again, like you're human, and also that just reestablishes that's one of the few things that if something has happened and there's not a discussion about it or um, a, a frank apology, if that's in order, it it can again, like ruin what you've worked for.
0: Thank you. I think that's really important. And I think it's actually easier than it feels before you do it. If you just say it, it actually feels okay after you say it. Yeah. Um, Okay. So all of this is really to create that environment where feedback can happen. Is there anything else you wanna add to like, here's really important stuff to think about in creating that, that container that will allow us to have feedback conversations, that psychologically safe space.
1: I think really, if I could say one main point would just be relationship. It's not necessarily explicit in what we've said here, but some of that expectation shared meaning um, is, and is like team building. And part of that is really relationships and just asking trainees, like who they are, what they like to do. It only takes a couple seconds and it's very meaningful for everybody on the team to have a sense of like, this person cares about me outside of medicine. And they also care about my professional development and sort of setting that stage for everybody. I think, you know, also just what we're really trying to accomplish in some ways is to get everyone on the same page about a growth mindset, because truthfully, our medical training doesn't always bring us there. We're very like, I know everything I've got it all. I'm going to get honors and the rest of my life is going to be great. But that's not actually going to help them learn. and so i think those are really the two main things that you just really want to try to accomplish when you're, you know, the sort of the point of building psychological safety at the end
0: of the day. Yeah, thank you. I uh, I think the the first one is that like relationships matter. I actually think when it feels stressed and there's not enough time, we skip over that and it makes the experience so much less interesting. Whether that's like me spending The first 15 minutes of the small group session with my classroom learners, or the first time I meet a new team, like actually talking to each other and letting them know who I am as a person Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference for me. It makes it more fun. And and sometimes it feels like we don't have time. And I think we have to make that time. I, I, at least I tell myself I have to make that time.
1: It's time well spent. It's time very well spent. And, you know, to the sort of bigger picture of what we're talking about in these two podcasts about feedback your feedback is going to be not accepted, received, heard, any of those things. If you haven't really set up a space of like, we're in this together to help you grow. And my, you know, just reemphasizing anytime something comes up that I'm just, I'm just bringing this up so that we can all be a better team. We can all learn more and really always emphasizing that message of learning as sort of our, one of our primary goals Um, because otherwise it's not safe to give or get feedback. You as the observer are not going to get anything because they're too scared to tell you that they need help. And it's just, if you don't set this up, our whole second podcast is useless to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a great way to end this first section, (laughs) first podcast. And that is like all the upstream work to create the space where people are going to be able to take risks, make mistakes, learn from those mistakes and talk about it is essential in order for us to, to kind of walk through the steps that you're going to talk about when we come back together next month and, and walk through this model of the feedback discussion that I think will really be helpful for folks. So Addy, thank you so much for this kind of really big picture, but so important thinking about how do we create a space that's psychologically safe for our learners? Yeah, my pleasure. i look forward to seeing you next month. All right. And I hope that I've gotten a wet everybody's whistle that you'll be tuning back in for next month when we talk about this prepare to adapt model for feedback. So come back next month. And if you want to listen to other episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find them on the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.uwmedicine.org. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.